0: Are you ready for the Word this morning? <laughs> well, I'm ready. i got enough notes and enough to go for a long, long time, but I don't have that much time, so we're going to get right into it. Just open up your heart. Just receive what God has for you. Even though this is what is called a Father's Day message somewhat, it is uh, applicable to every individual. So I titled the message, What's the Greatest Gift a Father Can Give? And the answer to that is a consistent example of Jesus Christ. A consistent, and the emphasis is on consistent, year in and year out. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word we receive it into our hearts and lives now in Jesus' name. A father's influence is so very important. He's an example. His life and mother's as well. Fathers and mothers, your life paint a picture For your children to see. It's been said that a a picture is worth a thousand words. So your children are looking and watching and seeing who you are. The word example means for one to be imitated. It also means in the Greek to mimic. It also means to behave in such a way that another can copy it exactly. Paul told his disciples, Be imitators of me or be followers of me. He says, As I follow Christ, follow me. So when we strive to do that, and we become an example like that, we are becoming and preparing for multiplication. Father the Father called us all to be disciples. This is the great commandment. He said, Go make disciples. And the greatest way that you can make a disciple in your family, in your home, or in your community is just be an example. And as we're being an example, one of the things they look for is, does our words or our life match up with what we say? So what we do affects others, and what they do also affects us. There was a young man in, in Great Britain, and he was going through Bible college, and he, was, he became very well known. And his mannerisms were well known. And the other students uh, uh, watched how he preached. And one of the things he had a habit of doing was flipping his head back and flipping his hair back. Especially when he made important points. Well, for years after that, the graduates of the college would continue to do that. When they would preach and make a, a point, they would just flip their hair back. Including the bald ones would try that as well. <laughs> so our examples are important. And, the, and our children follow after those examples. And when you realize this, whoever you are in this place today, and realizing the importance of the call of God in our life, as you realize this and you begin to take care of even the little things, one of the things that will happen throughout your life is that there will be even a multitude that will follow your example and others that you will. You know, you people are, are encouraging to me. Some of you, many of you, and you think like, well, you're not pastors and you're working your job, but whatever you might do, but so many times you've been an inspiration to me. And I see some of the small things, you know, I can start naming you around the house. And you're an inspiration to me. And, and it causes me to change my life. So don't think that you are not someone that uh, makes changes in other people's lives. As you do that, and you are an example, you become a leader. Some of you are leaders and don't even realize that God's made you a leader. And it's more important than the majority of things that we think about in life. More important, it's going to last throughout eternity. So as we're examples, we become an example of Jesus Christ. He lives His life through us is what the Scripture says. He laid down His life for us, we lay down our life, and He lives His life through us. And as those examples, our children begin to see Jesus Christ through us. Scripture says, train up a child in the way he should go, and he will not depart from it. You can tell them all you want, but they're going to look at your life. And as you live that life, then they will not depart from it. What's in the head filters down. What's in the head... Or who's ever the head, it filters down. The head of that home, it filters down. There's some things that filter down in my life. Some of them were good things. Some of them were not so good things. Some not so good things filtered down from my father and my, Brenda's life. And same thing in her family. We got together, started seeing the Word of God, and we realized there's some changes to be made that they would not be filtered down into our family and to our children as well. Whoever you esteem, you become like. And so many times, how many times those little children say, well, what do you want to be like? The little girls say, I want to be like Mommy. And I want to be like Daddy, the little boys. So whom you esteem, you become like. Fathers, mothers, single people. Esteem the Heavenly Father. Esteem Jesus Christ so that others may see Him in you and become like you. What we need is more people like we find in, that have a heart, Turn toward their children in Malachi 4 chapter 5, or chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Behold, I will send to you Elijah the prophet before the coming and the grateful, uh, great and dreadful day of the Lord. And that great and dreadful, uh, dreadful day of the Lord. Speaks about over in Thessalonians and he causes it that he says that he will come in that, in that day as a thief in the night. What are we talking about? We're talking about the end of the ages. We're talking about the return of the Lord. He says I'm going to do something in that time and I believe that's the time that we're living in right now. He says, He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So what we need is more fathers in this nation to have their hearts turned toward their children. And we also need children to turn toward their hearts toward their fathers as well. But first comes the fathers being changed and being in the form and the image of the Lord Jesus Christ as an example. So what does it take to be a consistent example of Christ. Number one, relationship. Relationship. You must have a relationship with the Father. You must have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Without it, these next points may not mean nothing. The second one, the second thing you need to be a consistent example of Christ is knowledge of the Word of God. You must know the Word of God. That means you must take time to look into the Word of God. You must meditate on it. You must remember it. You must memorize it. You must get into the Word of God. The third thing is wisdom to do the Word. Now, we said the second one was knowledge of the Word. Now, you can have all the knowledge of the Word and it won't do you any good without the relationship. You can also have The knowledge of the Word, but without the wisdom to do the Word, it does you no good. Pastor T.J. preached on it for several weeks here about wisdom. And having the wisdom to do the Word of God, to apply that Word of God. I I witnessed to a man one time in Chicago and knocked on his door and I told him about Jesus Christ. And he wasn't a Christian. And he said to me, how many times have you read the Word, the Bible? I said, well, I haven't read it through yet. I mean, I'm just getting, you know, I hadn't been Christian or about there very long, so I hadn't read through the whole thing. I was being honest. Well, I've read through it three times, every word of it. Kind of intimidating, wasn't it? I said, but your problem is you don't know Jesus. You didn't get it. I didn't get very far there either, so we moved on to the next door. I was talking to another fellow, a minister, and he was all kind of upset with the Body of Christ and uh, a little bit with me because I was preaching a formula. And he said, "It's not about formulas. It's not about formulas." I said, "Okay, what's the deal?" He says, "It's about relationship." I said, "Okay, what, what kind of relationship?" I didn't. Know what he, I wasn't getting it at first. I finally began to get it. You know, he's talking about a relationship with Christ. The church is just preaching about formulas. I said, "Well, I'll tell you what. If you don't have," The relationship with the Father, the formula will not work. Now, I used to have a relationship with organic chemistry. I went to college. I studied organic chemistry. I studied about, they're called hydrocarbons, hydrogen, carbon, and, and oxygen. And, and I, could, I could work those formulas and mix those things together. Uh, you could give me the names, uh, you know, like uh, butylene, acetylene, and the octanes, and add some sulfuric acids and some sulfate or whatever, you know, and, and I, you just give me the name, and I could write the name down plus another one, and I can tell you what it equaled. I could write out the chemical symbols uh, of each one of those, and then what they equal and then the chemical structure, and show you where all the electrons went and what came out the other end. You know, we did a lot of it on paperwork because it was kind of dangerous in the lab because most of it was very flammable or exploded. More than once, uh, being in the lab, and somebody would, you know, kind of rinse out the, the flask and so forth, and sometimes uh, they, they, they didn't really get enough out of it like they needed to and stuck some water. What's water? H2O. It's another hydrocarbon that mixed in there and just blew up in their face. So you got to be careful. But the formula would work, as long as you got that relationship, as long as you understood what you were doing, you could live longer if you were in organics. Anyway. So I have a formula for you. Psalms, chapter one, verse one plus chapter, verse two plus, equals verse three. So let's look at that. Psalms 1:1 1, 1 says, says, "Blessed is the man who walks." walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So there's something you do there. You don't walk in that. You don't have those fellowship with darkness, basically, num- plus number two. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. So he does something else here. He delights in the Lord and he meditates on the word. Here's his promise. Verse three, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he does shall prosper. So there's two do's equal a promise. People get all upset about all the do's in the Bible. It's all about do's and don'ts. Well, if you, if you got the key here, you can put the do's and don'ts together and come out with those promises. Remember, there's a relationship Fathers, continue to have that relationship consistently with Him and you'll be a consistent example. And mamas and single people as well. Why can we claim that promise? Well, first of all, we have a relationship with Him. Secondly, we did the Word. We believed the Word. We did whatever it said. We didn't have fellowship with darkness. We didn't stand over there or sit over there. We would meditated on the Word. And we had delighted in the Lord. We repented where it said repent. We forgave where it said forgave. And we went back and made reconciliation where it did. And we can claim those promises. Now, we're talking about the gold of being a consistent example... Year in and year out of our lives. An example of Jesus Christ. That will happen and you will meet that goal as you operate in what we're talking about here of doing the Word of God. Now, there is some work involved. And there is some warfare. And there's two types of warfare. The first one is our flesh. We will battle with the flesh. Let's look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, "For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So there's a battle with the flesh. Number two, the second one is the enemy or the devil, Satan, whatever you want to call him. Ephesians 6:12 says, "For, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, except, let me make an exception there, except it's our own flesh. Not somebody else's, our own flesh. Uh, for, we, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Or in high places, like D.C. Anyway, so we fight. There's principalities. I mean, the biggest problem. Look, people don't make and do the decisions that this nation is making on their own. There is demonic activity behind it. I'll get into the spiritual warfare in just a few moments, but let's go back and deal with the flesh. We're always going to have these two battles. We're always, every day, spiritual and the physical and the flesh. Let's start with Matthew 16 24. It says, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So we must deny ourselves. It's a lifelong process we get the victory in this area, we will have met our goal of being a consistent example, which is the first thing that God's called us to do on this earth. Make disciples. Amen? Amen. Alright, then he says in 1 John chapter 2, we see the scripture tells us, do not love the world nor the things... No, let's go back to John 16, 33. Alright, we've got the right one on the screen. John sixteen thirty three says, These things I have spoken unto you that, you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So it's not an easy task, but Jesus says, He is living in us now, and we're, His life is being lived to us. And He said, Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So He has overcame it for us. So then in 1 John chapter 2, here's what's in the world. 1 John two fifteen: Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If any of you loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father but of the world." And the world is passing away, church, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. All the lust that's there. All the pride that's there. Lust of the eye. Lust of the flesh. You can do this thing. You can deny yourself. Through me is what the Lord is saying. And you can be that example not only to your family, but to your community and, to, and on your job and everywhere in, in your church as well. The Scripture tells us in James, it says, The wisdom from above is first pure. Wisdom from the above is first pure. Purity and moral values is in a free fall in our world. Purity is something that is made fun of. Purity means refers to the inward control of fleshly lusts, thoughts, actions. It means unmixed, a state of being without compromise, uncontaminated, free from outside corruption. Purity also means something that is, and interesting, it's called being unadulterated. We desperately need more unadulterated Christians. The sensuality is a mark that Jesus told us about and that we can go back in history. Jesus said it would happen to this magnitude before he returned. You can go in history and see every nation and before their fall in the Roman Empire and their homosexuality and all the debauchery they fell. Not is it just one country today, but it is the whole world. And here's where we are. Fathers, you have an example. And your children is being bombarded with it daily, just as you are being bombarded with it. Moms, you're being bombarded with it. Everywhere we turn, continually. Television, wherever, it doesn't matter. All over the place. So we're in a warfare. And we must stand strong and crucify the flesh and be that example. And show our children in Titus chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Unto the pure all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. Just like today. Just like today, everywhere we turn. And again, this is why so many political decisions are being made today that is taken away, uh, uh, coming against the Word of God. In every area that we look at. Then in verse 16, the prop, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work retrobate. That's, that's right. That's the, this is what we're facing. This is a formidable foe. It is a, the masses. It's like a, a, a tsunami. And fathers, it can take. It takes diligence. And it takes a consistency to be an overcomer, to be that example, to be able to stand in the last days, even yourself standing, and your children standing with you. Purity. Then there's spiritual warfare. There is an enemy, church. I mean, I know they make fun of it. They make fun of oh, the devils, demons. There ain't no such thing as that. And the reason the devil puts that kind of stuff out is because he don't want you to know. And the more you don't know, and the more society do no he can run rapid with it. But first of all, don't expect to meet, defeat the enemy if you haven't dealt with the, your own flesh first. You must be discipled yourself. You must be trained yourself, or you're going to go out there and get beat up. First of all, we must understand this about spiritual warfare: people are not our enemy. If you fail to see what's behind the movements and the manipulations, even of our politicians, even of other, of other people, and you don't see into the spiritual world, the darkness, you will be fighting the wrong enemy. You will be fighting someone else. And here's what you see on television. It don't matter what TV cha- or news channel you turn on. All they're just, just fighting back and forth. Somebody needs to get a hold of some revelation and start praying in, in the private and binding the spirit so that we can get somewhere and accomplish something. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> there was a boxer, and he was, uh, he was getting beat up. And uh, so the round was done, and, and, and he was sitting there, and the coach trying to kind try of encourage him. He said, get in there, man. You're doing great. He hadn't laid a hand on you yet. <laughs> and he looked up at him with a bleeding eye. He says, well, the, uh, would you keep an eye on the referee then? No, we're just like it. You know, the enemy comes in he hits us everywhere. Our finances are being hit. Our jobs being hit. Our relationships are being hit. Our church ministry is being hit. Everything's being hit and we're just not really understanding where it's coming from. Our health and our emotions. You know, one of the errors that we have so many times in the church is that we feel like that, well, if you're in God's will, then you're not going to be having any problems. Well, we know that's an error. Take a look at, Paul, if that was true, Paul wasn't in God's will most of the time. Because most of the time he was in opposition. Why was he in opposition? One of the reasons is, is because it's been said, if you never run into the devil, you must be going in his direction. So Paul wasn't going in the devil's direction. Every time you get close to a victory... And when you begin to deal with these things of the flesh, every time you get and you start to give up something that the enemy doesn't want you to give up, he's gonna bring out the big guns. He's gonna come after you and begin to begin to throw that at you. So what happens? Then the enemy, the devil, he just comes in for most Christians and homes, he just sets a little demon on top. He said, if they ever wake up, come and get me. He say the big guns for the big problems, for the big treasures. And our children are big treasures, church. Amen. But Christians who see the principles and understand these principles of spiritual warfare and begin to buy. they become an, a true adversary against the enemy. Paul was in spiritual warfare. He, he met, uh, he dealt with the sorcerer in Acts chapter 13. A girl with the familiar spirits in Philippians and, uh, in Philippi at Acts chapter 16. Doug, demonic powers in Ephesus. Uh, in Thessalonians, he said, I tried to come to you, but the enemy or the, the Satan hindered us from coming. Jesus dealt with the demoniac. But what did he say to Peter? He said, Peter, he said, Satan, get behind me. So what he did, he recognized is Satan was being was using using Peter. We gotta do the same. We must recognize that the enemy will use people. So we stop fighting people and start fighting the enemy. The scripture says, resist the devil and he will flee from you if you're having a problem there, and you will have these problems and situations with your children. Fathers, you will have it and you will need, and for your family, you will need to do warfare. But it doesn't in prayer. But it doesn't diminish people's bad character or or uh, uh, their excuses and so forth for poor character. It doesn't diminish that. But no opposition. Not all opposition is demonic. Listen to this statement here and listen carefully. An individual who exhibits consistent friction, strife. Confusion, undermining is being used as a tool of the enemy. A person, an individual you can do this use this on your job people and in your home. An individual who exhibits consistent friction, strife, confusion, undermining is being used as a tool of the devil. So in private, you go in, you bind the enemy using that person and you continue to love them. Jesus went out in Mark, uh, and in the book, He was in the, in the waves and the winds, and, and He was being tossed to and fro. And the disciples came, do you care not that we perish? And He came up and He spoke to the wind, and He said, peace be still. He rebuked the wind. Evidently, here's what was going on. Jesus was on His way to the gathering and to set the demoniac free. He was about the Father's business, but the resistance grew. If this storm was not, the enemy wasn't behind it, then Jesus would not have rebuked it. But He rebuked it, and He took the authority over it. When opposition of the enemy rises up against you, against your family, on your job, wherever it might be, you rise up and make a stand. The weapons of our warfare, it says in 2 Corinthians, are mighty through God to pulling down the strongholds. And our weapons we find in Revelations, it says, some the the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus. So take those weapons and begin to resist the enemy and he will flee from you and from that individual and you will see difference in your house, in your job. Several things develop when you're in spiritual warfare. Number one, consistency is developed, and that's what we're talking about. Isn't that right? Number two, patience is developed. And in James 1, verses 1 or verse 3 through 4, it says, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have our perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Then in James 1, 25, 26, but that he that looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not forgetful here, doer, or, or forget, uh, forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you think he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, he deceiveth his own heart. This one's religion is vain or is useless. So it works patience. And it also causes us to help us to bridle our tongue. And Pastor T.J. was talking about that as well as an example in front of his child. Men, we must learn to bridle our tongues and speak with the authority of God to speak in love. What this sounds like to me is the attributes of God. You become like Him and your children become like Him as well. Here's the results. Joy in you, joy in your house. Love in you, love in your house. Abundant living in you and abundant living in your house. Respect for you from your family, from your children, from your spouse, and even in your community. Self-esteem. and More results of what I'm talking about here. You begin to see yourself as God sees you. As a man of God, as a woman of God, As a daughter of God, as a son of God, this is what you begin to see. Now, you may have blown it in the past, but you can start now and begin to restore. And others will see and will be blessed, and you will begin, once again, to fulfill your destiny that God called you to do to be a disciple unto the others. How are you going to give the greatest, how are you doing and giving your greatest gift? How are you doing, mothers, fathers? How are you doing in giving this gift? A man without a vision will return to his past. Is the past creeping back in? Are you living and starting to live in the past once again? My relationship with organic chemistry isn't what it used to be. I can claim a whole lot, but I really don't have a whole lot anymore. You have unheard about all I have about it that I remember. We can claim a lot about our relationship with Jesus, but what do we really have? It can be rekindled. Our relationships can wane. Our relationship with Christ can wane, but it can be rekindled. Last verse, very important verse, but I want you to look at it. In Joel chapter 2, verse 25, "...and I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten." the canker worm and the caterpillar and the pommel worm, my great army which I sent unto you. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dwelt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed. Those different worms and caterpillars and so forth as they come. One comes and eats off the leaves. Another one comes and eats off part of the stem. Another one comes and eats the rest of the stem. And the other one eats the roots. It doesn't matter how devastated your life or your example may seem to you. It may only be a little devastated. may be a lot devastated. But God is here to restore. He says, I will restore and I will bless you And in that day, He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. It's happening now. You may not have had the greatest relationship. Your parents may have passed on. Grab hold of the promise of the Lord. He is sending that Spirit, even now, has already sent it into the land. and It's beginning to happen. Right now in this place, I'm called a a spiritual father, the founder of this church, and my heart is turned towards you, and your heart is turned toward me, and that is also a fulfillment of this scripture. Whether you have it only with your earthly father or not, you got one right here, Amen. amen. And you got the heavenly father. Receive the promises and the blessings that God has promised here today. Be a consistent example. Have a relationship with Him. Know the Word. And have the wisdom to do the Word. Everybody stand, please. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. And we're going to pray just right where you are. But if you want to have special prayer or you want to come to this altar, after we finish, you can come forward. I'll be glad to pray with you. You need healing in the heart or healing in the body, either way. But right now, I want you to think about every man, woman, young person in this place. What's your example? You're in college. You're in a good college. But you still have opposition. You still have testings, you still have buddies and friends that can lead you one way. God's called you to lead them the other way, and you know that. He's called you to be that example. On the job, you be that example of who Jesus Christ is. Do we need any help in this area? I'm gonna put my hand up. If you need any help in this area, just put your hand up. We're gonna pray right now. Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord, right now. We thank you for this word that you have brought forth to us. We take it, we receive it, and Lord, we thank you for your love. Lord, this morning, as Pastor T.J. pointed out about that song in which it said, I don't have time for those regrets. Those same words when I sang them, the Spirit of the Lord hit my heart, Lord. And you told me right then, you don't have time for those regrets. God's talking to all of us here today. We don't have time to regret the past, and where we have failed even as being that consistent example. But God says, I will restore, and I'm restoring now. And I'm setting you free. Receive my love, and know I forget your past. Thank you, it's gone. You don't have time for it? Neither do I, says the Lord. Yes. The Lord, we receive right now that image of Jesus Christ in us, the hope of glory, the fullness of your Spirit. Thank you, Father, for the grace. Father, now I take authority, and I take authority over the enemy, over every person that's been attacking them and coming against their example, resisting them. I resist the enemy. I rebuke, bind the enemy. Every demonic spirit and attack of Satan against them right now, and I put it underneath their feet in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, released to be those lights shining on the hill in Jesus' name. Now, Father, we thank you for this service. We thank You for what You've done and said in us. And we give You the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you.